You know, they say it's all about luck and timing, and it turned out after three months of being open, he came and said, you know what, you guys hustle, you guys work your ass off, the celebs you bring, the people you bring, I don't know how you do it, but I can't do it anymore. I own another place called Truesdale, do you want to just buy it from me? Hey guys, Pat and Posh here. This episode is brought to you by No Sponsors, a sponsor company that sponsors no one. Today's episode is with the duo, John Terzian and Brian Toll. They're the founders of Hwood Group, who owns and operates venues such as Bootsy Bellows, Shore Bar, The Nice Guy, Blind Dragon, Delilah, The Peppermint Club, Poppy, Petite Tecaria. And soon to come, Mason. And Slab. Woo! Tune in. Brian and John, I guess let's start off with uh, you know, a very simple question. How did you two meet? We sort of knew each other in high school. I would say we were both, we went to different LA high schools, but had a lot of like friends in common. We were like, going to the same, I guess, parties and things mm-hmm. like that LA's, LA high school circuit is small yeah. so it's all kind of all like one, you know I went to Harvard West like he went to Beverly mm-hmm. so that's how you we had like you know going to, yeah and going from Little League and Hebrew school and all these different places you sort of know people from all the different mm-hmm. schools mm-hmm. so I remember in high school going to like parties at people's houses from Harvard West like Brentwood and all the schools and so I remember seeing him and meeting him and I don't know exactly how we met, but... Yeah. So you guys, like, kind of knew each well, other we, before, we, really. uh, we had a lot of mutual... It was more USC. That's where we got to know each other. And ironically, um, so I was in the entrepreneur school at USC, mm-hmm. and in it were Dean Andres, mm-hmm. which is how I got to know them so well. And he was... He was and is best friends with them. And and Dean told us that you guys were roommates for, what, 15 years or so? Me and Dean, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think they you. still are. We're <laughs> common law married at got this you, point. Got you, got you. Um, yeah, that, and, and that's a real way how I got to I really know uh, how we got hooked up. And, and um, after uh, law school, I was working for a DJ who was like the first celebrity DJ, DJ AM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it opened LAX. And um, that's when I you know, kind of realized Brian knew what he was doing with uh, promoting at a huge promotion company. I had done promoting in college on a smaller scale at this 28th Street there and then got out and was doing DJ stuff. And Brian, though, had a huge company. And so we that's where we started was LAX. We didn't own LAX, but we essentially ran it. Yeah, the, he ran know? it and brought me on to handle the nights and the that's promoters we really and, and things like I that. Mean, started working together. Yeah. So, John, you mentioned that, you know, you went to law school. Why did you decide to why did you decide to do that? Well, two reasons. The simple answer is from a family of lawyers, and it was more or less expected. Uh, it was almost like, I don't care what you do with your life, you have to have a law degree. Um, so that that has just been embedded in me since day one. The unfortunate truth is that I could not be further from a lawyer's mind. Like I technically got into college on art, an art scholarship. So my mind is just so not lost. It was not a fun time for me. I got through it. Um, 
The other reason why I did it was at one time I was, you know, I was heavily, I worked for a sports agent mm -hmm. and, and, um, and I worked for Kobe and Arn Tellum who were like the biggest mm -hmm. agent. Mm -hmm. Loved it, but didn't love the agent world. I was a lot more creative. And so I got through law school and um, I think what's nice is I essentially am like a failed artist. And so what's nice is what I do now is I get to create. Yeah. All I care about is how the things look and feel. And, um, so that's how it came about. To kind of go back to, to your college, like undergrad days, um, I know you were on the football team, right? You were yep. a quarterback, um, yep. but decided to go in a different route. Um, and, and I decided not to do the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was just one of those things where it's like, I have bigger plans. I said, you know what? I took the path less traveled. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But you And, and so you, you were um, recruiting football players to the team. Is that it right? Was. That's, well, that's, that's the stem of how I got into all this was – they noticed that while I was I was literally never going to get in a game and they barely let me near the practice field, I was very good with the recruits. Yeah. And it, he helped the overall GPA of the football team. <laughs> and they did. That. Keep him, keep I, the high, I, the, I kept the GPA. I don't know how much that's supposed to be done. But yeah. I, uh, I legitimately, my GPA, like, kept them eligible, yeah. uh, which is the irony. I mean, that's their it's strategy. So <laughs> I mean, uh, that's why somehow the, GPA, the overall GPA of the football team was higher than mine. So, right. I mean, I don't know what that says about right. me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I didn't have that great of a GPA. I had like yeah. a 3.7 or something like that. I mean, that's like, that for them, they were like, this, this guy is like the yeah. end all be all. <laughs> and so, um, but anyway, I, I, I uh, uh, back to the, the football thing. It was incredible. Like looking back on everything, incredible. A lot of my relationships that actually help us today. It's a guy, Alex Holmes, who was like my best friend mm -hmm. in high school, yeah. a tight end. He was a tight end there. Right. Is that Khaled's brother? Yes. yes. Helps us so much. Through, we, like from from the way when we started H A Group, he's been our like to today. Yeah. He's our biggest supporter with networking and people and clients and himself. So that he's like one of many examples. I met um, at the time a young like he wasn't even an agent then. His name was Thad Fouché, who mm -hmm. now is the head of Wasserman Sports Group. Well, right. He represents like 48% of the NBA. Mm -hmm. He's been a powerful force for us. You know, that's, how, that's how I've gotten to know Westbrook so well and all these mm -hmm. guys. And relationships really matter. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. And one thing that I think Brian also mentioned was these parties you guys used to go to in high school, college. And I know that you guys were throwing parties and entertaining. Um, you know, and then Brian, at one point, I know that you were taking these large groups of parties, which is how the promotion thing came about. But yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, that path and, you know, what got you into that in the first place? Yeah, it's not something I ever set out and said, I'm going to throw parties for a living. Mm -hmm. But I would say in high school, I wasn't that close with that many people in my high school. I enjoyed hanging out with people in other schools. And so I remember every weekend we would like drive around and go to parties or hang out with people and whatever. And so I always enjoyed that. And then I used to house sit for my grandparents when they would go out of town. And they had, a, they had a dog, right? And so it started where I was supposed to learn responsibility and make sure the dog didn't die. And they were paying a dog sitter. And they said, you know what? This is good for you. You know, take on some responsibility. Water the plants. Keep the dog alive. All that sort of thing. And it turned into, you know, a couple friends over. And then those friends would say, hey, you should have more friends over. And then it turned into like... Anytime I would house it for them and they were out of town all the time, it would be like a little party. And then I think my 17th or 18th birthday, I threw like a big one, like 100 people. 
And that was the first time that I really threw a party. And I, I enjoyed the social aspect. I enjoyed the planning of it. I enjoyed doing it. And in college, sort of started a little bit at SC doing a little bit at their house. But also, I was just always social. I had friends from high school there. I had friends from college. And yeah, I used to plan nights going out to clubs in Hollywood. And I started to meet promoters there who... Scott Fywell and Jared Holtrich who are like, who are you? You have, you show up and there's 20 people behind mm-hmm. you. Like, let me give you some drink tickets. And SC, if, if neither one of us went to SC, uh, we wouldn't be in this business. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a powerful, it's why it's why I do as much as I can yeah. for SC because right. we I wouldn't have the, uh, it's no other school is like it, especially not in LA with what you have behind you. And I, and I wasn't in a frat, and so mm-hmm. I needed That's something to do on the weekend. Is, yeah. You know, there were all these date parties, and I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so I could hang out with people on campus or hang out, you know, at home with, like, high school friends or whatever. But I liked going to those clubs in Hollywood. I met, I'm 20 years old, meeting promoters saying, here's free drinks. So I'm yeah. walking in with a fake ID. This was the greatest thing ever. And right. I would bring groups with me and then they were like here we'll just give you a hundred bucks or it just started like that and it was fun right. and so I never looked at it like this is going to be a career I just enjoyed the clubs I remember AM used to DJ and that's how I used to hear what new songs were big there wasn't yeah. like Spotify and chart like none of this right, existed right, right. None so of I like the music aspect it just it was a fun thing it grew and grew and grew and eventually became a business. I I think something that Pat and I always touch upon is like, you know, the relationships, you know, John, you brought it up and it's, it's, it's not really, you know, USC. I think it's the people that are at USC and just the environment and the culture there, but also what you kind of do with it. A lot of our friends just went to class and they went home and I always told them like, you're coming to USC, you know, like you can get this degree anywhere else. You know, you can go to UCLA, you know, for God's sakes, and get a degree there. But, you know, you're not going to get that same network. You're not going to get that same power of the alumni network. Okay. And I think that that's something that is important for, you know, let's say our listeners that are listening, you know, the college kids, post-grad, is like really kind of hone in on those relationships. Not only building them, but nurturing them over time. Well, I, I, I arguably, unless unless there's a, there's a few professions like engineers and stuff, right. matter, I think it is the end-all be-all for what you gain in college is the relationships and who you, who you develop those with and how you, how you nurture those. Mm -hmm. And, um, I naturally did it, which is how I got into, you know, what, what I was doing. And, and, you know, we always say like, to this day, we build all of our places around our core, our core group of people that have been with us since day one. And it's funny because the same people we were throwing there high school parties for and their college birthdays or throw we threw their engagements for their wedding stuff. They're now big in whatever industry yeah. they are. And we're doing their industry things like yeah. to the level where, you know, no one understands how it's funny. You'll, you'll say, how do they get, um, golden globes production? Right. Well, no one realizes the actual, it stems from a relationship right. of 10 years of events from the people that now run these things. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about in, you can liken that to every industry. That's how people do what they're doing in business and finance and real estate. And, you know, it comes down to that and, and really comes down to just how you are with people. Yeah. And for someone who is entrepreneurial. And I'll, and I'll, oh, go on. Oh, yeah. I was, I was just going to ask, like, if someone is entrepreneurial and looking to go to college to, to get those connections, I mean, like, nowadays, what is tuition? Like, $55,000 yep. a year. Like, you, if you had to go back, would you have done it again knowing that? I, I didn't do it. I didn't go to USC for the connections. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's a smart way to go about it. Yeah. 
I think any college you can make the right connections. For me, for us, probably what we do, SC turned out to be the best place that you could be for what we do. Yeah, it makes more sense. Yeah, sure. You know, but I think any college you're at is comes down to the relationships you make. I don't think it's about yeah. Not I don't think I think I think it's a common misnomer. You don't need to like necessarily be around SC gets a, a pretty bad rap for being like the rich school. Yeah. Right? I mean it's that's basically what it is. It's not necessarily what I was surrounded with. A lot, of, a lot of these guys made them themselves their own entrepreneur. A lot of them are just in regular jobs. All of them are extremely important friends and um, you know guests of ours. Like there's a lot of a wide variety of people, yeah. but it comes down to the, the people that you make those relationships with at each school. And I would say I went to SC. I I love living in LA. I'm close to my family. I never wanted to really go anywhere. I never even took trips to look at other schools with my parents. I just I wanted to be in LA or mm-hmm. California. So I looked at. I didn't get into Stanford. I got into Berkeley and I went and looked, and it just mm-hmm. was not for me. Mm-hmm. Kind of like UC San Diego. And so I wanted a football team. SC just seemed great. And again, the connections wasn't really a thing. But to his point, I think the only reason that we're doing what we're doing is because we stayed in L.A. We were here for those four years. And so those relationships, not only from people we went to school with, but the people in the nightlife and restaurant industry that I met at that time and after that time, all of this really only happened because I stayed here. So I, I think part of me wished... I'd gone to the East Coast and done mm-hmm. it right. four years out there, but we would never be doing what we're doing if we had gone to yeah. Michigan for four but years. What's that other factor? Like, obviously, if there's like two other guys in your same situation, right, going to USC and interested in hospitality, like, why do you think you guys made those connections and why? It's funny. I wasn't even interested in hospitality. I wanted, Neither to, I wanted to be an agent. When I graduated college, I worked at Endeavor. And in, in college, I was a music industry minor. I worked at record labels. So mm-hmm. hospitality, like, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. The, I just did the parties because I enjoyed it. And then when I graduated and was working at Endeavor, I hated that. I didn't like the basically the hazing and they treat you like right. shit and the corporate. just wasn't for me. Not on my corporate, I mind when they like treat every assistant like shit, yeah. basically. Yeah. And you have to work there for two years yeah. just for anyone to respect you. And like yeah. I didn't love that. And so after three months I decided on the side, hey, I'm just gonna do parties and make some money until I figure out what it is I want to do. And then I just kind of never stopped. But yeah. it was not something I set out like, I'm going to stay in LA and I'm going to go to SC because I want to be in hospitality. I would have gone to UNLV or somewhere that had hotel management or, or something like that. Yeah. So we'll get into the H-Wood group and how, you know, that started and how, you know, it's become what it's become now. But I think that's something that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a sexy thing to talk about, but I think it's reality and, you know, people want to hear it. Um, with, you know, any entrepreneurial kind of journey, there's always these failures, you know, whether yep. they're small ones or right. big ones. Um, you know, I don't want to assume it. Were there any small or big failures for you guys? Our well, first <laughs> two venues were massive failures, which is the crazy part. Well, when we, when we tell people that, they're like, no way you guys have had failures. But oh my God. the first one was a, was a rep. So basically, I was doing the promotions at LAX. Okay. John owned it with AM. Okay. And I didn't own LAX, but it or was, yeah, ran ran AM's mm-hmm. ownership, I should say. Um, and the time came when the two of them and another guy named Loyal and a group came together and said, "We want to do another place." And John came to me and said, "You know, people, you know what you're doing. Why don't you put some money in, be a partner on this? Mm-hmm. Why don't you learn the ownership side instead of just promoting and doing right, events right, and right. concerts?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do that." So I made an investment. I wanted to learn. We opened a place called the Stork. <laughs> Which it was, a was in business. Was 
It was ahead of its time. Is that, is that, yeah. the, is that the PR spin? That's the, the, it was very ahead of its time. It was very cool. It was very out of business. So we could be expecting it in what twenty thirty five. We we essentially did it with it was the Delilah's like a better okay. version of what it okay. was, but we were basically doing this restaurant, lively club, very well cool whatever, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in like deep Hollywood gotcha. on Orange, attached mm-hmm. to a mall. And we were too, we were too young yeah, to we bring the, right. the crowd that we now yeah, we didn't have the right thing. And this is what you're 25 years old, 24, 25, yeah. something like that. Anyways, we were out of business in three months, lost two million dollars. Nightmare. Two million? Yes. And in three and months. You guys had oh, no, investors? No, we didn't stop. Wait, hold on. It gets we worse. Did it. We were like, oh my God, how are we going to tell these people we've lost all their money? Who, who were those people though? Like, were they friends, our friends family, oh, okay. ourselves? By the way, our, we were the biggest investors. Okay. So we, most, we, we lost the most. And it was, an, it was so embarrassing. My dad still reminds me. And the crazy thing is it was packed. <laughs> we just didn't know how you actually turn customers into revenue right and didn't understand operations we knew how to comp people we knew how to throw a really good party and then anytime we were actually busy we had noise complaints neighbor complaints so the cops would come and shut us down right arrest us so we were out of business and we didn't know what to do so i went to a friend of mine that said can you please just give us a bridge loan right now to figure this out so he gave us what like Sammy, 100,000, 50,000. Yeah. Which kept us going for an extra month or two till we figured out a plan. And I actually was telling D the story because I lived with D at the time, D Murthy from 5-4 Clothing, and said, I don't to do, I'm embarrassed to tell all these people. What would you recommend? He's like, You should speak to my investor. They have a lot of money. This isn't really their core business, but I bet they would give you a big loan or steer you in the right direction because you guys clearly know what you're doing. The place is packed. You just, you need someone that understands business. And so we took a meeting. He influenced you because he's an influencer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, I do go to D for advice. No, he's and great. Business he saved stuff. us. And, yeah. and so D set up a meeting and we went and said, and it was his investors at five, four who came from like the finance background. Mm-hmm. And we explained what a nightclub is, what bottle service is. So we had to teach them as if they had, I mean, they literally had no idea what we were doing. And they really, I guess, liked our concept and liked everything we had to say and understood that, like, we weren't there just to party and drink and and none of that stuff. We were there to make money and said, look, if you guys really want to do this, we're going to make, we're going to have to dilute your current investors down to basically nothing, but we'll give you, it was close to a million bucks and you can redo the place and figure it out. Okay. And, you know, the bad news was AM had backed out. Amanda Demi, who was supposed to be our partner, had backed out. It was just a disaster after a disaster. The city hated us for the noise. But we took the money and we redid it. And Third time. we called it H-Wood. So that's where the name of our group comes from. And we had a really cool little bar next door called the Tea Room. Tea Room was our first, Tea Room was an old storage space. We learned that we had our friends had become such big celebrities. They wanted a small space because Hwood was big, two stories, ramp, like all you know, everywhere. So we 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 turned a, you know, a, a room the, the, this size, slightly bigger that we're in, which fits like maybe a hundred people. I mean, like what, like a yeah. hundred twenty square foot room, hundred fifty square foot room. A little bigger than that, but about a hundred person. Room. Less oh, than that was like fifty people. Yeah, it was honestly yeah. maybe double this size. Okay, yeah. and that I credit our whole separation factor to that making that move to your room which is you know we catered to we, we learned really how to cater to the top of the top people and mm-hmm. which is what separated us you know and um, 
So that, that's the good news of that. The bad news is we... We went out of business we went, there we again. Shut, we didn't even go out of business. We got shut down by the city. The, the, we had so reasons. many people there. Was it building in safety or what? No. Well, no it, was it was the city. Oh. It was the cops. And they were sick of the noise complaints. We had... We were packed. We knew how to bring people. That's, right. We've always been good at that. And yeah. these people would get drunk and go take a piss on the lawn next door and yeah. throw up everywhere. And so they cut our valet. They made us shut down at midnight. We lost couldn't everything. pay rent. We lost. We ended up losing about three million bucks. I moved home with my parents. We, be, we how was that? Like? Had to become uh, the worst time of our lives. And yeah, this is like the most scarring. And this is not. What, we weren't kids anymore. This was twenty seven years 28. old, twenty eight years old. This it's is so, two thousand what nine? It's so two thousand nine. It's so scarring that we still make decisions based on stuff that we went through with them, which is probably good. Like right. I mean, we're so scarred. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the whole goal, right? Is to you know fail but fail quickly and learn from it. I know everyone says that, and it's true. It's great to talk about it in hindsight. It's horrible living it. And, and I don't know how many people live through it. But from what I'm learning and what I know, all, a lot of the best entrepreneurs go through some crazy, right. some crazy rough stuff. But and it is a time when a lot of people give up and say, forget it. I want to, I'm just going to yeah. take a job. I don't want to deal with this. Headache. Right. So how did you, I mean, how did you guys come out of that? You know, you're, you, it's probably the worst time of your life, like you just said, John, but how do you kind of muster up that, you know, like, positivity? What, keeps you, what keeps you going at that we, point? We it's like two venues. I, did, I guess for me, I didn't really have that much to fall back on. Right. Mm-hmm. I could have gone back into promoting, mm-hmm. which I was doing really well doing it, but I had given up my company. For right. this. I, I didn't, didn't either really though. I didn't pass the bar. Yeah, we didn't, and we I didn't. didn't. Have, we had nothing. I, there was no shot of giving up. There were, that one didn't even cross our mind. And I, yeah, there wasn't like at this age after being out of college, yeah. six years, seven we, years. There wasn't like a job I could go do. So it's either you go back to what we, I was doing, or go to law school or business school or something. So we decided. Well, we really did. We, we technically went back to what we were good at. He he was friends with the guy that owned a club that we were like, look, we're, for the for the time being, dude. Keep keep relevant, get money. We promoted, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't like to say that, but we did. Right. And we and found then, someone to invest. It was called the Beverly. Yeah. And yeah, I had been good friends with the guy that owned that he owns Jerry's Deli, Guy Starkman. And Guy said, "Known you forever. I'll, yeah, don't go, don't do anything. Get you know, come be a part of this. Learn the business. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how to really operate. I own twelve mm-hmm. Jerry's Delis. I know mm-hmm. how to make mm-hmm. money. You need a mentor, mm-hmm. and so." We did that, and we were essentially, yeah, paid as promoters. We had a little bit of ownership because we had someone that put in money just because we did not want to go back to just promoting. We felt even having a point or two and saying we own part of it was beneficial, and we learned a ton. And, it, you know, they say it's all about luck and timing, and it turned out after three months of being open, he came and said, you know what, you guys hustle, you guys work your ass off, the celebs you bring, the people you bring, I don't know how you yeah. do it, but I can't do it anymore. I own another place called Truesdale. Do you want to just buy it for me? And that's downstairs, and that became Bootsy Bellows. And so if we hadn't taken that job with him and been a part of the Beverly, I don't think he would have offered us the place downstairs. And Bootsy is really what set us on the path we're now on. Well, at the the same time, we were promoting, we found found a small bar in Santa Monica (coughs) um, next to Giorgio where we grew up going. And the guy... Really, the guy Mark Burge really believed that we, out of everyone, and at the time we really didn't have a name or anything, he just liked our conviction and our story. And he had this bar that had been there forever. He, you know, he wasn't an operator type guy. I mean, he could be, but he just, you know, a, a big investor, finance type guy. And he gave us a shot. 
had uh, taken this bar and we had this concept called Shore Bar that that um, related since we were all kind of from the area. Mm-hmm. No one had the West Side was untapped, right? And so we, uh, you know, we had this concept of having like our friends be mem- quote unquote members, mm-hmm. where they had like a house account, like right. a country club. Right, right, right. That's to this day what it is. And so members only. We got Shore Bar. We built it on a shoestring budget. You know, we had literally to the T a hundred grand to convert what was there to what is now short bar. Which is almost impossible. Oh yeah. so hard. And uh I mean, the why we're so loyal. Have a liquor license hopefully over Yeah, we had that okay. but but it's also why we're really loyal. The guy that did it for us there is uh so John Sofio. He really basically did it for free. Um but it was essentially why we're you know from that, we've done all of our places with them because right. all these guys took shots on us. And um, so at the same time, when we got Truesdale, we had to raise money, turn that into Bootsy Bellows. Um, uh, I was friends with, uh, we had a bunch of mutual friends with David Arquette. Mm-hmm. He had just come off of a bad experience with, a, with the nightclub world and he had an incredible concept uh, about basically reinventing what nightclubs were, which right. was bringing entertainment mm-hmm. that's that's where the puppets in vaudeville whole right. thing came from and so at this pretty much at the same time we opened both bootsies and shore bar and our whole thing was we got out of hollywood we moved everything west where our core friends and family are and i think we really thrive in this area it's where it's really where we grew up that's insane i mean you guys so like again going back to like you guys had two venues Flopped. You went. You moved back home, and we actually had three. He left out uh, Las did. Palmas. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so that was okay. Three yeah. at the same time. Everything just gone. Just gone. Gone. Moved Literally. back home, <laughs> and now you guys like back at it, yeah. full force, two venues at a time. Like, right. I'm just right. trying to understand like how how that even happened. Like, well, what's you... what's nice is we we had to learn. We had to learn on to do everything ourselves. So like we, we had to learn how to operate. We had to learn how to do the you know build the places. Like there's a bunch of stuff that we just didn't know before. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the confidence. We didn't know. Um, and I think you need to have those experiences. So I, I, I'm not. I want to kind of <laughs> ask you this as well. It's, you you had family friends as investors originally. Yeah. You know, by the way, we had like 30 investors. Right, and that's, they didn't get the, they did. didn't get their money back no. the first time around. Did you go back to them? No. They were not. Well, a lot of- no, to this day, yeah. And a couple of them are current are currently heavily, like our hotel deal right, right, right. and stuff. But like no, that. we did but not go back to them for them. more money. No. We were, the hardest part of the whole thing was having to go speak to them and say, I'm so sorry, we right. lost your money. And how was that feeling? Like, I know it sucks, but like, how do you even have that conversation? It's, it's so the worst does, thing and in the I'll, world. And, I'll and say, it doesn't get easier no matter how many easier. times you have these conversations. I'll tell you one thing, though. That we did naturally, and that you did, everything we did was beyond above board. Meaning, every accounting, we didn't take a salary for three. I mean, literally, we could barely eat and live ourselves. Right. So it was, you know, in in one regard, we were the biggest loss for the investors. Like meaning, like from us, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys were in the twenty five to the highest was a hundred grand investor. The rest were like twenty five and fifty grand investors. And every dollar is, is a lot. But we were in the hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. that all was lost. I think where a lot of people go wrong in business is they, they don't put themselves in the shoe of, of shoes of investors, meaning like they take their salaries, they pay themselves back, they do all this stuff. We really didn't. 
And so I think why we maintained our relationships is we have good friends and family that mm-hmm. believed in us and knew we were, they got in early, too early on us. We treat them like kings when they come to any of our stuff. And I think the most important thing was that we were beyond above board about everything. At the end of the day, it's a risky game. Right. Tell us a little bit about your your um, approach to like launching and like envisioning the the a venue. Um, like in, initially, I don't know if, if it's changed now. I'm sure. I'm sure it hasn't. It hasn't changed. So, yeah. Um, yeah tell us. Tell us. Tell us about that. What has changed is we've developed. Now it's like it's not so by the seat of your pants. Like meaning like okay, the concept comes up by everyone talking about the fun stuff, and then you break down how you know. Like I obviously get carried away artistically. They make quick to point out how a seat needs to, you know, the amount of seats we need to have in there and the way the bars are arranged and so that it operates on a, you know, cost effective way. Um, I would say for me, the way concepts probably come about was, is we really see what I think we cater to who our friends are, who's going to like it. And we kind of build the thing around it. At this stage, we have so many places, it has to be complimentary. Like, for example, we wouldn't go open another version of a nightclub, you know, down the street. We've got Bootsy Bellows and Poppy strategically for a reason. Two I, clubs. Yeah, I think we look at what the market is missing. Right. And so Nice Guy was our first restaurant. We said, you know, clubs are cool. Restaurants are cool. But as pe- as we get older, our friends right. wanted something after dinner that wasn't necessarily a club. Right. And there weren't too many places in L.A. where you could just go grab a drink. Or you could have a 9.30 dinner and stay all night. And we said, right. we need a concept like that. Right. So that's where the nice guy came about. And so we're always looking for what's missing. Blind Dragon, we had a lot of friends that do these crazy karaoke parties in their houses. Yeah. Right. And we said, we need a place where, like, it's not in Koreatown. They can go do karaoke and have a private room and do a birthday in there. And, and again, they can go out and not have to be at a club. If they want to go to a club, they'll go to Bootsy. And so we sort of see what the market is missing. You know, one thing that Pat and I love to focus on is the why, like, the, the purpose, the mission behind the company. I think you touched upon it a little bit. And, you know, because what is... You know, your venues, you know, that's what you guys do. Yep. The how is you throw parties, right. you guys have dope people. But what's the why? I mean, you know, why do you start this? Why do you continue to do this? What keeps you guys going day in and day out? Probably different reasons for both, but I mean, you can go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I think I started it because I just loved the music and I loved clubs and I loved the social aspect of inviting people to a certain place and having everyone together. And that was sort of the reason I started the promoting and going into it. And then once I really knew how to do that, I wanted to see how to actually run a place. And so sort of fell into it. But I had no point said, I want to own a hospitality company. It just sort of happened. I'm My brain is very organized and detail-oriented. And so I love the running of the business and the critical path to getting it open and the everyday sort of business side of it as right. much as now or even more than I like actually being there at night. It gets exhausting. So... Mm-hmm. I like the running of the company and kind of the organization of running an event, if that makes sense, yeah. because you have to have it like really critical path and things in the steps. Right, right. And so, cause every little detail is important. You and the reason why anything. it's so good is because the behind the scenes is takes, so it takes perfect months and weeks and crazy amount of time to do a party the last two hours. And then sure. it's, just, it's over. And the people that show up have no idea no. what went into it. We're yeah. planning our, 
our event at Cannes Film Festival now, which is well, in May. And just, we're already dealing, it's been hours and hours of work with... Is that going to be in France? We, yeah, we go every year, but like just to find a venue out there and find a sponsor and who's going to perform and how are we going to get people there and how is this going to be different from every other party? And so this we're, we started this months ago and it's, that party's not even until May. And so yep. the things that we do to go into an event, and it's the same thing to open a right. venue. We, we've been working on a project in Chicago at a hotel for two years now, just figuring out... Yeah. All those little details. It's those are the things that I really like about the job. Um, I don't know exactly. It might be. Yeah, it's pretty similar. I mean, from per personally, I I love the creating side. I think we're creating. You know, I think every day we're coming up with, you know, game changing type of of experiences for guests. Mm -hmm. so it's really what I feel, and I think that it's fun for me to see us take a you know four walls and turn it into something you know we we're not the type that ever we don't ever care about a place is jinxed or we don't care about any of that because we know we know that um if we believe in it we can we can do it it sounds kind of cliche but it's true it's, and that's the nice thing about being an entrepreneur is you're going to win and lose but if you know, if you have that mindset, oh, in the long in the long run, you're going to win. Uh, that's that's really what we're doing. I was trying to search this online, but um, exactly how many venues you guys have? Because I feel like you guys are opening up to so many different you know new ones. You know, coming up soon. So, how, what's the total right now? At about fifteen right now. Fifteen. So with about six or seven more by I'd say the end of the year. Yeah. So so what is your day to day like like for both of you guys? Chaotic. I, it's, I it's all over the place. It's very different with different roles. You know, I'm in like design meetings every every hour basically and stuff for the creative stuff. He's in a million operations meetings. and I'm, I'm working like I went spent two hours last night yeah. going over a new agreement to do a nice guy in Aspen, for right. example. So I'm the one that kind of deals with right. the deal side and the lawyers and then John will take over and actually design it and build the place so, and all of that. So it's during the day and then at night you guys party. I wouldn't say we party. We barely, <laughs> we barely drink. No. I was, I, we were in Chicago you yesterday. We have a short career in this if yeah. we're partying. We're, we're definitely out and we're hosting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read somewhere that you're going back and forth from venues. Yeah. yeah sure. You have to. We go start a dinner at one and check on the food in the kitchen on another and then we're at the lounges and the bars and I think it, it makes a big difference to have the boss check in on it and I it's think the, everyone's on their toes and that's it's the end all it's the end all be all telling you yeah. if you're not physically there with our type of business we're not running McDonald's right and the other problem is you know with a cheesecake factory or a, a McDonald's people just go and it's different people every day with our venues we have the same yeah. people and crowd in there night after night and week after week and we they come because there are places and they want to support us and they, they want to Say hi to us, and so if we're not there doing that, then I think lot, we're losing. A lot of these people came up with us, and so they feel that they're like part of it, which which is good. I want them that. The double edged sword is we hear right away when there's oh, my know, issues. There's issue with food, issue with service, issue with whatever, and so it's really funny. We'll get a text randomly. I, like, hey, the, I think the music's broken at Delilah right, right now from someone eating. Like, when does that happen? <laughs> they all, it, but it means they love it, yeah. and, and it's and it's what we built on. So we, you know, you'll never hear me complain about it because it's kind of good. Minute, you have eyes and ears everywhere for you guys. Yeah. The minute I don't, it stops, I don't text D every time a button falls off my shirt. But yeah, <laughs> the minute maybe you should. Yeah, I should. 
Yeah, the minute it stops is probably a problem, to be right. honest. Mm-hmm. You guys both touched upon the people that you guys have always been surrounded with. And, I mean, a simple search of H-Wood or any of you guys would... You go, I know you guys don't like to talk about it, so I'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> that you guys are cel- surrounded by these celebrities and people names that people recognize. Yeah. Um, some. Some, yeah, some names that people recognize. Uh, but those some are big names. Sure. Um, what do... Th- I mean, first of all, how did you guys get into those relationships and... How do they keep coming back and bringing more and more people with them and continue to support, you know, not only you guys, but just the brands that you guys continue to build? I think we're just good to them. And yeah. they, a lot of clubs we or restaurants, you know, when, when they know a certain celeb is coming, they call the paparazzi and make sure that they're right. seen coming in the front door. And right. then when they're leaving, they call the tabloids and so-and-so is eating here. We don't do any of that. We yeah. walk them in the back door. No one knows they're in there. They get their food. They don't. It's not like we're like comping this and comping that. They people don't mind paying if you give them a great experience, and we usher them out the back door. At the nice guy, we have a tunnel that we've connected to the back door, so it's like an accordion. We can basically pull it from the back door to the car, so a celebrity can literally run out the back and not have their photos taken. And so we protect them, and then we do so many events and things like that that we can cultivate relationships and invite them and. Luckily, we have places that people want to go. I think we, we, I never feel like we have to beg someone to go anywhere. We right. have places where they want to go, events they want to go. So, as much as they're doing us a favor by eating at our places, I feel like we're doing them a favor by saying, Oh, you got to come to this event or that event. And so, it works both ways. I, I also think for us, it's not about the celebrities, it just happens to be the one that people are interested in. That, but it, it, it really is about the fact that it's real friendships. Right. You know, like, it's not, these, these aren't like, these aren't like just people that, you know, there's no, there's no like, the ones that you're referring to, we, you know, we take care of their family and their friends and, you know, we don't, no one realizes, but nine out of 10 times we're doing stuff for them at their house or out of town right. or whatever it might be, whether it's an event or whether it's taking care of them. So that reflects in, why why there's a consistency of doing things with us and have you know there's a trust level and they so, just happen to be celebrities it's not like you are friends with them because they are exactly they no. just kind of came up and somehow they so, you know, well so yeah some of them got i mean i credit i don't mind saying i credit a lot of our company's success with with katie perry who grew big as we were opening and she's been she a, came to the tea room when we were best. opening she was like sleeping on her friend's couch at the yeah, time she wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm no, you were at the time. right no one knew yeah she wasn't as big and marcus who started atri with us is best friends with her and we she became literally our biggest supporter and i'll never you know i always will credit that and I'm appreciative of that because as she got bigger and obviously she's one of the biggest in the world now mm-hmm. you know what when she's in town on st- at Staples, she comes straight to one of our places after, just because it's like a family thing. Right, and that's a to me that's what it that's what matters. And I can name you twenty other people that do that that aren't celebrities, and that that's why they're treated like that, you know. And and that's really what it's about, and how how we have that repeat and keep them really safe. I don't know if if you know, but there's no pictures allowed in Nice Guy and Delilah, and that's the reason. One of them have a safe haven. I was going to ask, like, how do you prevent that, you know, the fact that people finding out that they're in there in this well, day and age with, like, live videos and Instagram yeah, and all these no, things. No, no cameras. No, no cameras. Yeah. yeah. It can't, can't stop it in the clubs. I'd love to. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Too, and too crowded. Yeah. 
But at that point, you have a bouncer who's going to just like... And, but nice guy in clubs or in the restaurants or clubs? It would be too hard. There's just so many people in there. Yeah. And it's so many lights and things. Uh, security wouldn't know there's, a small, there's someone to do Nice with. guy in Delilah, it's really great. Because... As soon as there's a flash, you'll like and staff is running, no pictures. I mean, it's it's easy to tell. Brian, someone took a photo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, guys, just to kind of learn more about your personal lives, not too much, but you know, we obviously know about the work that you guys have done and super successful, and we really hope that we see more of these venues. But how do you maintain a healthy work life balance? I think they sort of are intertwined, yeah. and so when we have dinner with friends, we do them at our venues. When yeah. I go to my, I go to dinner with my parents, I make sure it's in one of our venues. I'm trying, it seems like everything we do, we try and incorporate work life mm-hmm. around when it's anyone's close friends, birthdays, Pretty we take much. care of it in our venues. And so that, that part sort of goes hand in hand. The hardest part is when, you know, he's married and I'm engaged when our fiancés or wives are saying, just stay home tonight. Why do you, why can't you be home right. on a Saturday night? You know that that's the hard. That's part. like the main night, or like, yeah. or like for our aunt, what, our one year anniversary. She's like, "Where are we going?" I'm like, "Nice guy." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we were we've been doing this for we've been partners since like 2006. So for us, it's normal. Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, like we're in the venues. Period. Right. So, and they've met us both once we were very far into this. So they, as much as annoying as it is, they're very understanding and yeah. that. We can't not be there on a it'd be on a, tough. On a big it'd be tough for someone that didn't was relationship wise mm-hmm. that wasn't supportive or got it. And and I know that a few years back uh, that the Hawkinson group came in and you know started working with you guys. Yep. How, could you guys tell us a little bit about? How yeah, that well, went it down? was a it was a weird time. It was about three years ago, and we had Bootsy was extremely extremely successful. Shore Bar, same thing. We made all the whole investment back in six months or something. Well, we had Hooray Henry's, and we wanted to do a restaurant, and we were going to people to raise money, and we got the same answer from everyone, which is, well, you guys have a group. Like, we want to be part of the whole picture, right. not just a one-off where clearly you know it might fail. So it was actually hard to raise money, even though we were successful and had notoriety, and so we decided, you know what, the best way to do this is to become really a group and meet out, meet with private equity guys and investment bankers and raise the money on a corporate level and kind of buy out some of our little investors that only had a part of one or two little places and met with a bunch and it seemed that we met with Akasan and that they really got it and understood what we wanted and what they wanted places where they could send all their biggest clients from Vegas when they were in LA and vice versa when they wanted to meet new people in LA who when they went to Vegas went to their places and they also didn't have really a celebrity kind of face to bring the celebrities and cool LA people and we sort of had that and so and again it's made built on relationships yeah. yeah and so in 2013 yeah. 2014 we sold about half the company to them and bought out all our current guys at the time and so they've helped us grow they provided infrastructure we get some a, big clients from them in Vegas we've had a great relationship here yeah it's, 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 it's worked for both of us I think are you guys involved with any other like you know Charities or you know nonprofits. Is, yeah. is that something that you guys? John does a lot of charity work. Yeah, I'm, ha- I'm uh, extremely active on the board of Imagine LA for a long time, which helps homeless families in LA, specifically um, single mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been on the uh, uh, entertainment board of Children's Hospital, which is a really close, really important one to me. And 
we I have H Wood really active on it, so kind of all I personally am, and then our company is. Mm-hmm. We do quite a bit. And for we do it. a ton of charity yeah. events. We've hosted so many in the mm-hmm. venues, but yeah. 25, 50 different events for different charities. What What advice would you give to someone in in, in today's world, um, knowing what you know now about the club scene or the Hollywood scene in LA um, that wants to get into advice for the club world or yeah. for nightlife world? Yes. If they want to get into restaurants, you mean? Yeah. I think hospitality, hospitality, hospitality in general. I would say I have two things of advice. Number one, stick with it. Yeah. And if we had folded after the first or second or third miss, we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And so it takes persistence. It takes hard work. And you have to have a little luck in there. Like, you know, if our friend Guy didn't happen to be building the Beverly right when everything was going bad, I don't think we'd be here. Yeah. Um, and we fell into Bootsy. And I think the other thing is, even though the conversations are hard to have sometimes, you have to have them. And we've had so many times, with, whether it's telling an investor you lost their money or telling an employee you have to let them go or whatever the case is, it's better to just do it and rip off the Band-Aid. And we laugh like, you know, that's going to be a hard conversation. Like it, it seems like every day there's something that comes up where you don't want to have it. Yeah. And a lot of people run and don't ever have that conversation. And we've found that it's just... Better to have it and do it. Yeah, I, I would say for me, two two big pieces would be one for, first and foremost would be you gotta really love you gotta love it, not for any other reason than the business itself. Because it is not glamorous. And I think there's a lot of uh, misconstrued thoughts that the restaurant nightlife world is some you know, you wake up at three and you know, you're partying and hanging out and doing whatever, and it could not be further from the truth. There are plenty of people that do that. They just they're not very successful. They're not successful, and and so you got to really love it. Like for you know, there's we probably have different loves of aspects of it. I actually love the creation of it. I love people. Like I love, I love our interactions with it. I live, breathe, sleep it. And if you don't have that, you're probably gonna have a hard time in hospitality. Um, so that's one. Second thing is I would say you, you, you really never know what you, you should basically meet and vet all opportunities because you don't know where one leads, especially in this business. So it might not be for whatever it is, but you might get 10 other things out of it, which is a really important thing that um, I think people and kids especially forget. and they're, They get in this mindset. I've, I've met with a lot of these kids right out of college and they like have their whole life planned. It's really strange. Like they just think they're on this one track mind and it's weird because you don't, you really don't know who you're going to meet and take you where, you know? There's a question that I really like asking. It's kind of weird, but the reason I ask is because as entrepreneurs and creators, we're always kind of thinking on the spot. There's something that comes up and we have to put out a fire or we have to come up with a creative idea. If I had to ask you guys right now to create your own uh, flavor of frozen yogurt, what would it be? Huh? Create our own? Create your own. Hmm. Um, you want to go with that? <laughs> That's a hard question. It's funny, I'm not very creative when it comes to that sort of thing either. <laughs> um, I would probably, my mind would be, ironically, would be something towards a shock value. So I would do some sort of like gold leaf uh, edible um, frozen yogurt, you know, so be something that people talk about. I haven't seen anyone do that. I like that. I do. Like Goldschlager has those little gold things. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that would be something that I would think would be cool. 
and now Brian's thinking, okay, how much is it going to cost? Exactly. <laughs> how's, the, how's the packaging going to look his, like? His mind is always goes to most. Is it going to be FDA approved? Scalable. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's funny. <laughs> so, so you said you guys are launching another six or seven right yep. venues coming up soon. Um, how do you see this whole kind of Hwood group? Well, it's funny, yeah, our, our day-to-day is now not even spent trying to fill the current ones. Yeah. We have so many projects coming that it's kind of dealing with But that. so those are so, kind of like, are they in a way running themselves? Like you have a team that's like, or is it still you? It guys? is still us a lot. We have a really great team. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's still us. Yeah. And the new places is really us because the developers want to meet with us. The realtors mm-hmm. want to meet with us. The all those people want to meet with us. To and at what point do you think you can kind of hands off and start a good question. I, I think I think both of us for the, the next big step we want to take is hotels. Mm-hmm. I think we've accomplished a lot in nightlife and now restaurants and now we're expanding to other markets. We feel like we've really done all we can do in LA. Right. So the next step, we're doing Chicago, we're doing something in San Francisco, we just opened in Cabo. Um, we're doing a Bootsy in Dallas right now. We just opened in a Blind Dragon in Scottsdale. So we're trying to take over some other cities so we have less pressure to be there and can maybe take a step back on, on that. I think the brands work. But we would love to open a hotel where we create the whole experience from the brand to the lobby to what the rooms are to what the F&B experiences are. And to me, that seems like the next logical step in what we do. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you guys for, you know, sitting here with us and conversing and sharing your story. I think it's something that's going to be, you know, super exciting and inspiring to not only folks that want to get into hospitality, but just, you know, hear the stories of, you know, you know, success and failure and kind of, you know, just having to do it and keep on, you know, just keep on going on. So thank you guys. Yeah, I think you guys are, you know, an amazing inspiration here in L.A. And I can't, you know, wait to see how you guys shape the future of L.A. And, you know, hopefully beyond. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.